Welcome to Schooled by Mr. Baskin. I have been working with young people for 29 years plus now, and I've loved it, all of it, even the tough times. I am using this time to reconnect with older students or to just kind of express what's on my mind. And now, not just about what I've done in the classroom, but what I've done on the football field. Hopefully it helps me kind of get thoughts out and also helps you kind of appreciate all the work that goes into being a teacher and a coach. Mr. Bascom, Coach Bascom, Kurt, I'm talking about something that affects both classrooms and football locker rooms, and that's dealing with behavior issues. Um, it's come up both places for me this week. I don't get a lot of behavior issues in my classroom because when a kid starts to act the fool just a little bit, I'm pretty firm. And that comes from doing this for a long time. It comes from being a relatively stronger dude <laughs> that knows how to present themselves. Uh, it also comes from building a, a, a relationship of trust and expectation with my students and my players. So generally, I try to nip issues in the bud pretty quickly. I get a lot of that from my mentor, my friend, my one of my coaches, Smitty, where I learned a long time ago about, you know, setting those clear expectations and, you know, being firm with your kids, even if it comes across hard. And then later on, soon thereafter, rebounding and speaking to that, that student or that player and letting them know that you still care about them, but that you have expectations for them. I, I've done that pretty consistently throughout both of my careers, both as a coach and, and more importantly as a teacher. But this week in particular, it's come up in a couple of ways. And I wasn't really planning on talking on this, I, but it, it's literally just come up. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit more on football, but I do want to talk a little bit about the classroom as well. We're into the fourth week of school. And the first couple of weeks of school, you can't really get the greatest read on kids. Kids are still in honeymoon phase and everyone's nice and they're still getting used to stuff and getting their supplies and blah, blah, blah. It's usually into the third week where you start to get a good read on kids. And they start doing what I saw in Jurassic Park where the velociraptor starts testing the fences. They start looking for the weaknesses. And I, I've seen that in school where last week we started seeing more consistent issues with kids coming late, not wearing the school uniform, breaking the smaller rules, and then showing a level of irritation when those rules are enforced in any way. And then the fourth week, this week, is where you really start to see the kids go beyond just that irritation, kind of being a little bit more vocal. Their mannerisms, their body language, a lot more defiant, a lot more, I don't want to say anger, but definitely um, negative vibes, negative emotions attached to it, whether it's angry or pissed off or, or frustrated, whatever it might be. You start seeing, you, for, from first, it's just like an eye roll to a, a, a slowness of movement to, you know, maybe a, a neck uh, a twitch to now you see the eye roll and you hear the sucking teeth and you hear the mumbling under your breath and you see the the reluctance to do the thing that, the, I was going to say the coach, but the coach or the teacher is trying to tell you to do whether it's take out your notebook, get your homework out, write this down, that sort of a thing. All of a sudden, there's this slowness. And it's typical to middle schoolers and high schoolers and teenagers in general. It's, it's the stereotype, like you're being that kid. And I saw it, you know, I see it happening with some of my colleagues. And we had a conversation about it where they, they were saying, oh, well, let's give them detention. They don't mean just the player I mean, or the student. They need the entire 
pass. And I don't think that's the right solution yet. I think there's steps that get taken before you go to that. That's that's taking it to a higher level when you're punishing an entire class for the behaviors of a few. That's in the toolbox. Sometimes you have to do that, but I don't know that you go to that before you do these other steps. And those other steps involve one-on-one conversation with the kid, documenting what happened, speaking to the parent more than once, maybe text and a phone call or even a live conversation. Speaking again to the kid, consulting with your colleagues about this person, trying to find some middle ground before you go to that. Because if you go to detention or administrative involvement too soon, you're kind of undermining yourself. You know, and you also early because it's still early on. It's still, like I said, the fourth week of school. It's not even 20 days yet. If you start doing that right away, you're not fostering any sort of bond or relationship at all, except a negative one. So you don't want to go there yet. You let them know at this point, yes, I'm mad. It's clear. And you're documenting what they're doing and you're speaking to them. But it's not in those moments when you are upset first, it's not a conversation. There's not a discourse of back and forth. Why are you doing this? Sometimes teachers will do that. They ask that question. Why are you? That's that's the wrong thing to do in a classroom. A classroom is not a democracy. It is not a republic. It's your show. It, it, it's a, you know, it's a benevolence in a monarchy, hopefully, but it's a monarchy. You're you're in charge of your classroom, and sometimes teachers get into this back and forth, or they snap at the kid and they kind of drone on, and it becomes shrill to a student, particularly a defiant one, like, oh my gosh, they're going on again. That's how the kid hears it. In your mind, in the teacher's mind, you think you're being firm. You think you're being tough. You're not. You're being monotonous. And you're, it's more easy for a student to dismiss you when that becomes a regular thing. You know, then it becomes like the teacher and Charlie Brown, went, womp, 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 womp. that's what a kid is hearing. And Again, you don't mean it that way. That's not your intent, but you're not going to get the results you want if it's a steady whining and complaining and nitpicking, if that's the kid sees it. Firm, clear, get in, get out, get back to it. We're not going to go on and on about this. If you do get worked up, and I'll be honest, I get worked up pretty easily, but I tell my kids that straight up. First day of school, I'm like you, I'm human. The most easily distracted person in this room is me. Here are my rules. If you break my rules, I'm going to get upset. Everyone seems to like the nice guy me. Well, let me stay the nice guy me. Understand that when I start feeling disrespected, I'm going to come at you right away. So be aware of it. Don't be surprised when this happens. And again, you know, a lot of years experience, relatively bigger person. Maybe that contributes, you know, me hopefully building a good uh, level of equity with my students over the years helps too. But for other teachers in general, they, they need to, I, I would suggest what I'm suggesting here. You know, follow those steps. Don't just jump to, oh, the, the yelling and the, everyone's attention and, and taking it all, out your day on, on an entire group of, of students, an entire class. It's just, that, that's what, it's too much. And it's, it's creating almost a counterinsurgency where you're creating dislike for yourself beyond just the student you're mad at. The student can be mad at you. That's okay. You know, I tell students, yeah, anger's a gift, like Rage Against the Machine used to say. It's all right, you're mad. I'm mad too. That's good. That's all right. But you don't want that anger to turn into something more than that, where there's a dislike 
there's a disdain. There's a, a, a more permanent issue between you and that student. Now on the football field, that's a little bit different. You have a little bit more leeway on a football field. A kid acts a fool in a classroom. I can't make them run a lap. I can't make them do, you know, 20 up downs. But on a football field, I can. And my issue of late, when players are more openly defiant, and it might be that they want more playing time, or they're in a position they don't like, or they don't want you to be upset for the things they have clearly done wrong, whether it's showing up late or not showing up all or forgetting equipment or, or not following through on an assignment, on a play or an, a drill. It's a little more nuanced with a player. And that first, this is voluntary. They're not mandated to be there like they are in a classroom. And you are outside and you are in many ways separated from the traditional rules within a building. And that, like I said, you have a kid run and you can, you know, bark at a kid in such a way that you don't do inside a classroom or inside a building. The other issue here is these kids that are volunteering to be there, they, in a lot of ways, they need this sport more than the sport needs them. The sport gives them structure. It gives them an outlet to get those demons out, so to speak. It gives them a way to maximize the skills they do have, because oftentimes students that have academic challenges happen to also be pretty good physically. So this is an avenue for them to express their skills and, and the joy in what they can do. So you can't be so quick to take everything away from them, especially when you know you have kids that have these specific challenges and needs. And I, I have a lot of them on my team. I have a lot of different personalities and a lot of kids that are not coming at the sport the same way as, say, my, my son and the players on his team. My son goes to Arlington. It's a very affluent area. By and large, the players on his team come from households that have both parents there and have two cars and can make every insurance that kids are going to be there on time no matter what. And they're going to get rides to and from practice and they're going to do every fundraiser and, and have all their stuff with them. There seems to be a lot less defiance in more affluent schools than in a school like mine. And this is at least the third, really it's the fourth school that I've been in as a coach where, yeah, there is that discrepancy. At Spelman, not as much, but still, Spelman's a private school, but it, and it's more expensive, obviously, than public school, but it was still a very diverse population. And, and some parents putting their kids in this, a school like that to get them that behavior that they felt they needed. So that's why some of those kids are there. They had shown defiance in public school, so now I have to put them here so I can keep a better eye on them, so I can hold them accountable with, with a tuition charge. And then at Columbus, and for my brief time at, at Lehman, the, those schools, public schools, with rough-neck kids. So you've got kids where this, this game is an outlet to them. This game is an opportunity to be good at something because they're not good at everything in the classroom the way that they'd like to be or should be. So, but now to my team at Woodlands, I have players that are completely different inside the building versus how they are with me and my coaches. And in one sense, it speaks well to me and my coaches that we, we have a, an order and a structure and they understand that there's consequences and expectations. And there's also a relationship that we've built with them where they respect us and we respect them. I don't throw around the word love easily. But I love coaching this team, and I love these boys. Not the same way I love my, my family, obviously, but where I have this consistent feeling of joy and want to help them. 
And to me, that, that, that's, a, that's a healthy life. But I also, because I have that, cannot lose my expectations of my team. So how do you deal with it when a kid is acting out? Well, in a way, it's similar to what you do in the classroom. You have to have these real conversations with them. You can't just blow it off. I was a little upset. Last night, I get back from uh, dinner with my wife. I asked how was practice. I text my group of coaches and, oh, yeah, it was good, good. And then later on, I find out, well, it wasn't so good that one player in particular was upset about his lack of playing time and was talking smack when he came off the field and wound up leaving the field prematurely. And the issue is that this player has shown things like this in the past, including the last season. So now we see, you know, now we're in the fourth week of school. So now you see this reemergence of those behavior issues. The first few weeks, yeah, everyone's good. But now things start to creep out. And on the football field, it's more pronounced because there is this feeling of survival of the fittest, that I'm faster than you or I'm stronger than you or I'm better than you at this game. Thus, there's more leeway for me. And we see that in every level of the game. When you see it in the pros, when you see these athletes that are arrested or accused of terrible things, and it seems to get glossed over because that guy runs a 4 4 40 or, or that guy can throw for 4,000 yards, and, and we just seem to look past it because they're so physically talented and gifted in a way that most other people are not. And that even happens here at the, at the youth and high school levels as well. I have this kid, and he's doing what he's doing again because this was last year in him. And I caught him at the end of last season. And it was not easy. You know, I had heard the stories about him in the classroom, and, and I didn't, I, I kind of kept wanting to hold out hope. Like maybe I can fix him. Maybe we can get him back on the road to recovery. And it just wasn't working last season. So I had to let him go. And I felt bad about it. And so did he. He seemed to understand. He didn't take it negatively to me to be honest the way he took it at the end of that season gave me hope for this season and then we get to the season and his performances as far as behavior not just athletics but demeanor and attitude towards the team were generally much better than they were last year but then this year there was not even this year this last week or so there was this slip back to those bad old habits in the building and on the field so what do you do? There's the one thought, oh, we'll give him some more rope, give him more opportunity to redeem himself, blah, blah, blah. But I think we're past that. So how do you pull off the Band-Aid? Well, your expectations have been clear, hopefully. Mine have been clear. Hopefully you're listening to this and you're involved in coaching or teaching or working with young people. Hopefully your expectations are clear and they should be not 100% rigid, but pretty darn firm. They're always extenuating circumstances. That's why I say don't I don't believe in three strikes you're out. I don't believe in absolutism. I believe in the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. There should be some flexibility, but generally speaking, your, your rules should be pretty darn firm and your expectations pretty firm. And if this is defied and you've spoken to that person and you spoke to that person again and your coaches have spoken to that person and that person still acting a certain way, well, you, you got to pull the Band-Aid off. You know, and the best way to do it is, is fast. You know, don't let it linger. Don't let it, you know, oh, well, no, we'll talk next time. So I'm supposed to meet with this player today. And short of a full 100% fall on my sword, 
I am sorry. I am going through X, Y, and Z. This was terrible. I need to be a better human being. Short of something like that, I'm going to have to let this player go. And I care about the person a lot. But I can't allow the, the seeds of his discontent to spread. And that's the issue. That's one of the many ways that uh, being in a classroom with students and being on a football field with players is both similar and different. If you allow a student in your classroom to consistently act out, others are going to follow suit. And likewise, if you let a player on a football field start to act out and talk smack, that can spread as well. Now, years ago, Buck Showalter, uh, coaching the Mets now, I don't know if he will be next season, but when, way back when he coached the Yankees, I guess 25 some years ago, maybe more closer to 30 years ago, he once said, you can have an asshole in the dugout, but you can't have two. And that's kind of where we are here. You know, you, sometimes you can deal with a difficult personality for a larger chunk of time than you'd like. Especially if they're bringing all these other elements to the game, an intensity, a skill set, uh, an ability to, to make things happen. You, you tolerate that for a little while. Bill Parcells did it with Lawrence Taylor for a long time. Now, we're not even at that level, but just for the example's sake. But it's also where it'd be better if you didn't have any, though. <laughs> you didn't have any, any pains in the neck. I mean, that's, that's the goal. And the thing is, it is easy for one challenge person to become two or four or eight. It's, it's easy for that to, to spread. And... I think you need to kind of cut those things off before they get worse. It's going to mean disappointing this, this player. This player's, you know, in their final year in high school and really wanting to perform on the field in part for them, their pride primarily, but I'm sure in part for their family and friends. But you can't just let these things linger because, oh, well, but he's got circumstances. And, and, and what about their feelings? And some at some point, you need to be firm. And at some point, if you if you – establish clear parameters and his parameters are continually broached. You got to do the damn thing. You got to pull the bandaid off. You have to say, I'm sorry. You're, you're just not what we're looking for. I, I wish you the best, but that's it with you and this team. And that's kind of where I am here. And that, but that's the final degree. I really firmly believe that you need to take many steps before it gets to that. Cause it's very, very rare. It's not impossible, but it's very rare where a student just goes from zero to 100 as far as their behavior, where they go from perfectly mild-mannered, supportive, team-first type of player to being a total jerk. It doesn't usually go up like that. There's usually steps, and sometimes the steps get overlooked, but you, you got to be watchful and aware. you got to be communicative with your team and the teachers inside the building and your coaching staff and the other players on the team, your captains, that, that player's teammates, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What's going on? Why are they acting this way? What are they saying to you? What do you think? You, you, you want to factor in all views, but at the end of the day, if you're the head coach or the lead teacher, it, the decision comes to you. So don't defer for too long. Make, make that move, make that change when it has to happen. Because if you don't, then one problem child becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. And before you know it, you've lost the control of your team that you need. And you've, by extension, talking about classrooms, you've lost control of the, the classroom. You, you just can't let those things go. And if it means you being 
mean, so to speak, or tough, or, or unfriendly for a chunk of time, okay. If it means those kids not liking you for a chunk of time or being mad at you, okay. You mad? I'm mad too. That's all right. We're going to move through it. But you're going to get to where we need you to get. Because at the end of the day, as the teacher, as the coach, you know better what these kids need than they do sometimes. Not in everything. You know, just because I'm older, just because I'm a teacher or a coach doesn't mean that I'm automatically smarter or better than you. That is, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is if I'm a caring teacher and I'm a caring coach and I can uh, empathize with my students and appreciate their situation and have a clear path for success for them, it's my job to get them back on that path. And if it means being tough with them, if it means telling them something they don't necessarily want to hear, that's okay, too. You know, I, I used to hear, I don't hear it so much anymore, thankfully, but for a long time and for earlier years of my career, you hear things like, oh, you can't be friends with them. Don't let them see you smile until November. And they say things like that. And that's garbage. I hate those type of things. Those are teachers that, to me, sometimes didn't seem to like kids very much and were just kind of teaching from not the purest of reasons, let's say. I'm not saying that. Let them see you smile. Let them see you as human. Let them like you. But let them like you uncompromisingly, not because you're giving in to them or playing to them or, or kissing up to them or just trying to avoid conflict so much that you buckle like a belt every time something comes up that's a big challenge. You can be who you are, strong and tough and loving simultaneously. I feel like I've learned that from being a dad to my kids, uh, a husband to my wife, and, and being what I believe is a successful teacher and coach all these years. Ugh. All right, a lot of this was just a venting session for me without bringing up specific names, thankfully. But I also feel like there's a lot of lesson in this, either for a teacher or coach or someone aspiring to be, whether you're new at it or you've been doing it. I think sometimes we need that refresher. And I know for myself, that's what this was today. Hopefully it helps me deal with this issue I'm going to deal with in a few hours of football, as well as the issues that may or may not arise in my classroom going forward. So, all right. Listen, like, subscribe, and share. And have a good day. Be good. Not quite done yet. And a little postscript to uh, my conversation today. So I get the football. I want to speak to this this player, and I had to sit down with him, and I kind of delay him, and it kind of increases the suspense a bit. He seems to be pretty clueless about why I want to meet with him until we sit down. And once we do, you know, I kind of go over the issues with it a bit, and I essentially tell them, give me a reason to not cut you. And this is where the come to Jesus moment happens for both me and for him. The student kind of really gets past their initial defenses and justifications for whatever behaviors and, and really explains why they love this game and why they need to be a part of this team. And it reminds me that this sport and, and just working with young people in general, they need somebody to hear them and to help them work through their emotions and to help them understand why they're acting the way they're acting and then to be able to kind of forgive them, but also guide them on how to better handle the situation the next time. And that's what happened here. I feel like this player acted out in a way that was really almost offensive to me. 
but I don't think the player realized what they were doing. And as I was talking to them, I, I was kind of putting that together. And I feel like at the end of the day, I didn't cut the player. And there were some consequences that this, this player is going to have to deal with. But I think we're both going to be better off for having had this, this heated moment, this discussion, this, this uncomfortable conversation where this player has to accept the things that they need to do better. And I have to kind of be more aware as a coach and as a, a mentor to, to my, my, my player and to these young people about nothing should be absolute final. I mean, beyond reason. Obviously, there's some things that are beyond the pale, but what, what had happened here is fixable. So it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm listening to all of this, and I kind of come off real strong, like, yeah, I'm going to cut this kid. And at the end of the day, you know, my coaches, including Smitty, they heard me mention that earlier, kind of called me softy. And maybe I am still a little bit inside, but I love these kids. And this, this young man in particular, he, he has a lot more to offer, and he just has to learn how to manage his emotions. And, and I can relate to that. So just a little postscript in case you were listening.